Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. There's only one thing more polarising than country music, and you know what that is? Uh, no. Rugby referees. Yeah, absolutely. Rugby referees are only more polarising than country music, and we are going to dedicate this hour to um, country, country music, to rugby referees, and we're very, very lucky to have in studio Cody Nielsen, uh, who heads up Auckland referees these days, and alongside of him, Roger Drew, who's head of referees for Auckland Rugby. Uh, firstly, Cody, welcome. Thank you. And... Roger, welcome. Thank you. Now, Roger, we've, we've sort of, I've been playing a little bit of touch on a Wednesday night and we've come across each other. I do apologise for my behaviour. I should think so as well. Yeah. I actually bought my other cars just in case. You did. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Cody, let's um, start with you. Where did, the, where did the interest for refereeing come from for you? Why did you want to be involved in refereeing? I, um, I started really young. So I, I think I did my first game at 12. And my stepdad was chairman of junior rugby for Auckland at the time. So I didn't really have much choice. I knew I was going to be involved in rugby. Uh, but I didn't like getting hurt that much. So I quickly uh, took up a whistle and probably in hindsight too early. But uh, that's how it went. And I'm still here uh, and just had my 30th. So I'm still doing it. And you're passionate enough about saying, hey, I love this. How do I make a living? And therefore you've got involved now on the administration side of it. 100%. I, uh, I think I'd probably give back more in the administration space than I did on field, that's for sure. Hmm. And what about you, Roger? I mean, how long have you been in the game of refereeing? Uh, 25 years. But before that, I was actually uh, used to run touch tournaments. Um, and I did that for quite a number of years, and that's where I actually picked up the whistle to uh, to referee. Yeah. Uh, before that, I, was, I coached for ten years, and before that, I was a player. Having played, having coached, do you felt that made you a better referee? Definitely. What about you, Cody? You think to become a better referee that it, it's beneficial to have played the game and maybe have coached, or do you think you can get to the top of refereeing, not necessarily? with that on your resume? I think you can get to the top of refereeing. However, I think an understanding of rugby, which comes from playing and coaching, is definitely beneficial. Uh, every week, every week after every Super Rugby game without fail, there is always a discussion around the referees. Now, I don't buy into it. There will be a, clearly the occasional clangour where I think you're allowed to maybe ask some serious questions, but I think the biggest ass in the game are the rules themselves. They are so open to interpretation week in, week out. Your thoughts? I agree. Uh, I think rugby has a lot of work to do in terms of, of getting that consistent approach. That being said, 
there are some still really good performances, and I think Angus maybe uh, on Saturday night was an excellent performance of oh, refereeing. Oh, I'm not saying the performances are bad. I think sometimes the perception is. I think the referees do a stunning job, but it's the interpretation that we sitting at home struggle with, I think, at times. Yeah, I don't disagree as well, but uh, in regards to that, I think you've got to take into account that uh, the difference between professional and grassroots, uh, all referees are considered to be the same, when, when in fact they're not. Um, and I think that the perception that people have is that um, you know a first-year referee or, or a professional referee are one and the same, and that definitely isn't the, the mm-hmm. same either. Now, I grew up, I played a little bit of rugby at primary school and intermediate and um, watched rugby through first 15 through Manab Grimm and Dad. I never remember the game being so complex in and around the rules. It seemed a lot more simple back then. Has it become more complicated? Or just as you progress through the ranks, the rules naturally are, uh, you, you know, the rules, we tend to be a bit more of a stickler for the, for the detail. I think what you find is... The administrators of the game at World Rugby, New Zealand Rugby, local level, have tried to make the game safer. And what what that's done is it's brought in a number of rules, which, yes, complex the game up as they achieve, achieve their goal of trying to make rugby the safest sport possible. But, yes, they've certainly got more complex because of it. I mean, you've been in the game 25 years. You would have seen the evolution. Is it a harder game to referee now at the highest level than it used to be? I wouldn't know at the higher level because I never made that. But um, in regards to... Um I think working with guys in high performance, which I've had the occasion to do, is that um, is, it's a matter of mindset and it's a matter of actually how they actually approach the, uh, the game itself. They've got a lot more tools to work with. Uh, obviously, you've got TMOs, you've got ARs, um, and coming back, as I say, to grassroots, then the difficulty is that uh, people that are on the sideline uh, watching grassroots games expect the same performance from a referee that they would get in a professional game. Hmm. It seems to be always the most areas of contention seem to be in the forwards, always seems to be around the area of the breakdown and it seems to be every year there seems to be a subtle change or an evolution in the way the rules are interpreted or new rules that are applied. Is there a a date in the future where that's not going to continue to happen? We do have the rules um, where we need to have them? I don't know. Uh, one of the things is with sport, any sport, it's always striving to advance to make itself a better spectacle for its stakeholders and customers and viewers. So I think all sport evolves and adapts, and I don't know if rugby will stop evolving and adapting. I don't think so. I think we can expect subtle changes to the laws for, for as long as we're involved with it. Mm. See, basketball, hugely popular now. Uh, football has always been popular at a grassroots level because it's a very, very simple game to understand and everyone tends to get the ball in hand, low cost of entry to get in. Do the rules, are they a barrier to entry, do you think, in terms of taking the game globally? Uh, from my perspective, I think the problem you get is that um, the rules in themselves, as you say, is, is quite complex and the fact that um, you have now a number of people uh, who don't understand the rules from a you know from a sideline point of view, um, and as much as you can teach or show your referees how to actually apply the rules correctly, uh, the people on the sideline don't actually understand that, and that becomes a difficulty for the the sport in general. The other thing I would add though is that's what makes rugby unique. There there are some complexities, there are some unique facets of the game, which is the reason why so many people do enjoy it. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, there isn't, it doesn't matter what size you are, there's a position on a rugby field for everyone, isn't there? Correct. And I think the other thing that we've all got to take into account, and as Cody said, you know, the game evolves, but I think uh, 
coming from a coaching background specifically, um, any coach will look at the rules and see how you can you know, bend it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're always going to get pushing uh, the envelope, so to speak, beyond the law. One of the big... Um Another draw card is clearly the issues around concussion these days, and we're seeing huge, huge efforts being made at the highest level to stamp that out. Red cards, if anything, sort of above shoulder height. We've seen so many red cards in this year's of Super Rugby. What? How is it? How are referees communicating that at the junior levels? So, at the junior level, what we've done is we've introduced something called a blue card. So, yes. Obviously, we're hitting that at foul play, and if it starts at the top, it does trickle down. But we've also got a blue card, which is a New Zealand rugby initiative, where if the referee's seen something that he's not quite sure about or he see, thinks there's been a contact to the head, and not necessarily by foul play, you know, yeah, accidents happens, happen on the yep. sports field, they can actually award a blue card, which basically puts them in a 21-day standout process. Uh, so they literally there's a process that kicks in to make sure that player's safe. And yes, there are checks and balances to make sure, hey, if we've accidentally done it, that they can go to a specialist and get clear to play as well. And I want to touch on that a little bit later because I find it funny that a blue card will see a junior level rugby player taking a head knock have a three week stand down but we don't necessarily see it at the highest level in the game and that almost seems a little bit of a contradiction. Um, we are going very shortly to head across to SEN in Australia and we're going to catch up uh, with Julian King over there in around about 30 seconds time and then we will come back and continue our discussion on refereeing. One, we are putting the spotlight and focus on refereeing. Cody Nielsen, Roger Drew from Auckland Rugby uh, experienced referees, administrators if you've got a question regarding the game, 0800-150-811. Steve, good afternoon. Welcome. Yeah, good afternoon. What a good to hear your voice and good to hear Cody and uh, Roger Drew, especially in there. Roger, hope you're well, mate. Very well, thanks, Steve. Nice S- talk Stephen Harris, yes. Um, yeah, I've got a, a, a few things. I'll, quite, quite, I'll get, try and get through them quickly. Just from a, uh, a local referee that I saw a few weeks ago out at Whitebatta Park, um, Maggie Cooper Orr, who um, was called in at the 11th hour and she refereed two games in a row. Just did a fantastic job. Where is she in the the picking order of things? Would she be refereeing at at the World Cup later in the year? So Maggie literally just flew out on Friday to go ref Six Nations, uh, the women's Six Nations in the UK. So in terms of is she selected for the Rugby World Cup, I think it'll really come down to how well she performs over there. Uh, in this period, but she's certainly sitting in our premier panel in Auckland, and I think she's putting her best foot forward to get a spot in the World Cup right now. Yeah, don't, don't think she'd look at a place at, at any level. And one other, ref, one other quick referee that I'm really enjoying over the last couple of seasons, and, and he's probably not one of the bigger names, but Mike Fraser um, just seen so much improvement in, in his game. Guys, I'll make a couple of quick points about the, the game, something that I'm that I'm seeing. Um, something that frustrates me is the when a team gets a yellow card and you've got to wait for a stoppage for a player to come back on the field. Why can't that player be entered through the in goal area as soon as the ten minutes is a, has elapsed? And my second one is just in, in and around the powers of the TMO. Something that frustrates me. Usually, if you're watching a game live and you see a forward pass live. Nine times out of ten, it probably is a forward pass. And sometimes the defending team uh, then get a double whammy by basically, you know, putting in another, maybe putting in an infraction and getting a yellow card. When a yellow card, when a forward pass should have been picked up previous, how much power does the TMO have? And do they have the power to pick up 
that forward pass and maybe um, just be transparent with the referee and just let them know. Great. Uh, I'll start with your first point on the on the yellow card. Yeah, I think it's a valid point. The idea of getting a player back on. Yeah, I think it's a bit harder when you're in that live environment on the Super Rugby sideline trying to get that player in. But Sevens does it re- really well. They let them back in on the penalty, uh, which I, I guess we just don't have as many penalties and many, many stoppages. It's just about keeping it clean and fair. And I think the risk of putting too many players on the field at once is is probably where that comes from. In terms of the TMO, it, it's the one thing I would really stress when you're actually in that room. It's a lot harder than it looks. Uh, there's actually two TMOs operating a game now. You've got the, your main primary TMO and a TMO assistant. And basically, the one thing I would say, forward passes, they, they can look really clear, but once it's actually about trying to get the right camera angle on them. And now I think we're running a 10-camera operation at Sky. It, it's, it's really hard um, to get those calls right and probably above my pay grade. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> No, that's all right. Hey, listen, thanks for your time, guys. Good to hear from you, Watto. Yeah, lovely to have you. There you go. Um, Steve, if you do want to phone the program, 0800 150 One of the issues I've got, Roger, too, is that when you see up there in the TMO in those positions, do they watch a lot of the stuff on different angles at full speed? Because I think sometimes when you slow it down, I think it actually creates even more ambiguity. Where if you watch, you know, sometimes if it looks forward, it is forward at full speed. I and mean, we're watching the game full speed, aren't we? They are watching at full speed. So, um, not that I've actually had too much experience of being in the TMO box, but um, having you know done work for Sky etc. In, in the past, um, everything's watched at normal speed first. If they need to then slide down, they have the option to do that through the uh, through the producers. Mm. And Cody, I'm sure, can expand on that. Yeah. So. Basically what they're doing is you've got one referee watching the contact and the breakdown and then one basically watching follow play just to make sure that nothing nothing is missed. Uh, and yes, they've now got... The technology's changed a bit. They do have the ability to slow it down, but I don't really know what the protocols are. I'd be lying to you if I, if I said I knew the current protocols, but they, they do have the ability to slow it down. And with that 10 camera plus set up, uh, they are getting some pretty good images. I just want to clarify too, when there's an in-goal decision... If it is 50-50, you go in favour of the referee's initial decision, either try or no try. So you have to basically, if the referee says, I've got an on-field try, the replay needs to be clear and clearly contradict that for the referee to change his mind. If there's not enough evidence, the try is awarded. I'd say, to be fair, and again, I don't know what the, lo- uh, the latest protocols are, but I would suggest that uh, the referee has to lead the discussion. Um, in regards to that, his on-field decision has to be supported by the TMO unless there's evidence or clear evidence that it's not. Uh, Elliot, good afternoon. Welcome. Oh, good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, one of the most... Um, annoying things for me is the advantage rule and just how long nowadays it seems to go on and on and I just wondered what your guys thoughts were on bringing in perhaps a hard and fast rule for the advantage whereby I don't know it could be three phases where the team who has the advantage can play the ball and then after that it's over rather than coming back sometimes two or three minutes after the infraction 
Yeah, particularly for knock-on, I, I share the frustration. Yeah, look, I fully support the uh, the fact that uh, advantage has actually played um, with probably minimal conversion nowadays. Um, that's due to either a the referee not um, willing to actually take on board the, the law as it currently stands, which is territory or clear right to play, um, and I call it a waste of football. Um, but I think. You know, the refs are trying to, in a professional game, are trying to create, still create a product and still trying to create some freedom of movement. Uh, in the probably the grassroots game, you'll probably find that uh, referees tend to stay more in the sort of sevens mode where they keep the advantage quite short because otherwise you can have uh, all sorts of mayhem happen afterwards. Can you just explain the two terminologies you used there uh, early on? Uh, what was... You gave a couple of um, definitions of what they're trying to do, what the actual rules of the advantage were. Oh, well, basically, you're trying to either get clear advantage okay, to play. So, so what do you mean by that? Well, basically, to have an opportunity to actually play the ball without uh, being under pressure. Yep. And the other one is territory. So, so, so if it's a knock-on, in my opinion, from where you hit the knock-on, the moment you get past that advantage line from that point, as far as I'm concerned, that would be no different than taking the scrum, and therefore advantage should finish. That's pretty much right. And if you actually look at sevens, they actually do it very well, but in fifteens we don't. Cody? Yeah, I, I think the one thing I would say, I don't. the question was, can you make it universal? And I, I don't know if you can. One of the things is when I arrive in, in the office on a Monday, they often go to me, my referee was really good on the weekend, and I go, why? And they can't really put a name to why. And I think that comes down to advantage and how well has that referee played advantage. Because if that referee plays advantage, what basically means you have a really nice flowing game. So as Roger said, advantage can be territorial or tactical. And basically, you do just want... I think you do need to keep it involved in the game to just allow that flowing game of rugby... Because Elliot, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's always there's always this um, discussion over how much the ball is actually in play in a game of rugby, say versus football, um, say even versus rugby league, and the statistics very much favour those other two that I've just mentioned. And then you suddenly get down to the last two minutes of play, desperate to try and score some points, and you just think, God, how much time's actually been wasted here? Okay. And from the way we play the game here, I feel like that. Teams overseas, particularly using the advantage rule cynically to play the clock, and it slows the game down. Whereas I think um, if there was a hard and fast universal rule where every team knew how how much time they're going to have on the ball, and let's say it was just three phases off the back of a run, then it's advantage over. Yeah, well, see, my thing is it's interesting, isn't it? When there's an advantage from a knock-on, the moment a player kicks, advantage is over. Yet when there's an advantage from a penalty, the moment a player kicks... There's no advantage. I think if you're going to kick the ball away, hey, that's that's your advantage as far as I'm concerned, and I think that would stop that. Hey, lovely to have you on the program, Elliot. If you do want to phone the program, um, 0800 150811 is the number. Someone just texted in, and Steve again saying, forgot to ask the lads, the drop line goal, uh, sorry, the, the goal line dropout and the 50-22 was brought in to speed up the game. Sorry, I just need to click on that. Um, brought up to speed up the game. To me, it's had the opposite effect, hence all the rolling more tries we are seeing. Thoughts? Cody? Yeah, the, the new laws are interesting. So at Super Rugby, you've got the, the World Global Law Trials, and then at the domestic game, we've also got the EDSLVs, the Experimental Domestic Safety Law Variations. So there's a lot going on, and obviously it's all designed to speed up the game. Yep. Hey, are all of these going to be adopted? I don't know. Uh and it really is interesting to watch the space. That that drug 
goal line dropout is one I personally struggle with a little bit, especially when a team's been held up over the line. It, it seems a harsh reward to have to kick the ball away. Yeah, I agree. Look, um, obviously the, the world uh, rugby uh, process around uh, trying to get um, different things happening in the game uh, will either have success and failure in, in certain areas. I think you'll probably find universal dislike to the goal line dropout for for attacking teams where they're actually being disadvantaged by the fact that a team can then drop kick a goal, uh, sorry, drop drop kick from the from the goal line and the ball's dropping down around halfway. So uh, all I've done is I've lost all that territory, all that opportunity to play the game uh, in the red zone. It is. It is 25 minutes away from 2 o'clock. You're listening to SENZ in studio. Cody Nielsen, Roger Drew, two, um, I was going to say powerhouses of Auckland rugby refereeing, but <laughs> two of Auckland's leading rugby administrators when it comes to the refereeing side of the sport. If you do have a question, 0800 150 you can text us here, double eight double three. Right, we've got two officials from Auckland Rugby in the refereeing space in studio taking your questions. We have Cody Nielsen, we've got Roger Drew. Um, gentlemen, I want to ask about the touchies, or these days the assistant referees on the sideline. Um, a lot of people texting and saying, why do the referees not pick up the forward passes more? Is there a danger when you are a referee who is so used to being in the middle that when you are on the sideline as the assistant referee, that you're naturally just looking at the breakdown and not doing the job of maybe looking for the forward pass and those simple things. And it is a different role, but you're so accustomed to being the guy in the middle. From a grassroots level, possibly. Um, but in reality, um, every every team's a team of three when um when both referees and ARs are actually involved. So there is distinct duties that each uh, person has in regards to that. So even from an AR's point of view, you'd actually have a leading uh, AR and a training AR, and they those guys actually also assist the referee in regards to forward passes. OK, so Cody, so the AR, what is primarily their role when they're on the sideline? We know what the guy in the middle is doing, but what's the primarily role of the AR? What, what's, what's he tasked with doing? The primary role of the AR is to call touch. <laughs> that That's... To run, the, to run the line. Is it, out? Goes out. Is it in? That, that's the main job of an AR. However, obviously we've watched that and that there's a reason they're not called touch judges anymore. They're called assistant referees because their scope has gotten bigger. And, and I guess the main one that we start to introduce, if, what we really want from our ARs, I think, is to assist with offside lines, uh, call foul play and get touch right. If they do that, I actually think we've got a, a good AR. I'm a terrible AR. Uh, I can't do the job very well. I, like you say, I think at, at that top level, they're, they're, they're much better at being assistant referees. But at grassroots, I was never rebuilt, especially when you come off another game where you're literally the man in the middle and you switch into a 245 game and you're, you're the assistant referee, something I was never great at. Mm, okay, uh, Roger, I'm going to ask this question of you. You've been out there in the middle. Um, the game can be frustrating watching it at times, uh, particularly in and around the breakdown, as we've already alluded to. Um, would there be any things you'd like to see? What, what would make the game easy to understand and easy to watch? What rules would you change if you could change? Uh, probably a couple, actually. One is probably the, the hardest thing everybody's got to deal with is, is actually the breakdown. And I think uh, the, the issue is is that people are, don't understand what's actually physically happening at the breakdown. I think there needs to be a simplification of that, and I think it really comes around to the tackler and the ball release. And I think the tackler needs to get out of that position very, very quickly. And I think, but that's getting harder and harder now with the way that you you get your cleaners coming in. 
Agree. Um, and, and I mean, you, you see a guy get penalised for not rolling away. How can you roll away? Well, some teams purposely actually hold the guy in there. So um, that's why I'm, I'm suggesting that in reality, what I think we need to do is actually get the, the tackler physically out of there as quickly as possible. Bring back rucking is what you're saying there, Roger. I, I, look, I actually watched some old NPC tapes Would you like to see rucking come back into I'd the game? I'd love to see rucking come back. Would that clean game. it up? Well, it certainly would, but I think that it comes down to what people then perceive of safety and... Uh, and flying boots. But it could be like it could be a little bit like the NHL, where if you want to fight, get good enough to get to the NHL. If you want to ruck, get good enough to get to professional level. Cody. Yep. What rules would you <laughs> What rules would you like to see changed? Uh, it's a hard one. I think what I'd like to see more is, is us teach the rules better because I think they're ext- they are complicated, but there is a reason for them, and, and, and it's explaining that. I guess one of the rules that we've already touched on today, which I'm not. And I'm amid with is that draw, draw, goal line dropout. Yeah. 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 Are we? I don't know. I thought on the weekend, are the referees now mic'd up to the speakers in the stadium? Yeah. So there, there is some. So there is some explanation going, going on. on yes. Yeah. Like they do in the NFL. Yeah. Where they just explain things, and I think it's great. Yeah, and it's up to the uh, match operations to turn it on and off. So I think they're using it more in that around that TMO space when they're chatting so the crowd's understanding that. 15 minutes away from two, we've got Cody Nielsen, Roger Drew in, uh, Drew in studio, two of Auckland's leading referees and officials. We're going to take the last break and then we're going to come back and I do want to just touch on why people should register, why people should train and become referees uh, right across the board. You don't have to go to the highest level. It might just be at an eight, nine, ten years of age type level but the enjoyment from it, how you do it and why you should do it. We'll do that next. In studio, I have two um, Auckland Rugby referee officials, Cody Nielsen and Roger Drew. Roger, uh, clearly you've been involved in refereeing for so long, you must have a passion for it. Why should people take up refereeing? I term it as a game for life. Um, you know, having started the game as a kid in bare feet, uh, as a player, uh, going all the way through to Premier's, uh, then taking up coaching for a number of years and then getting involved with refereeing um, and then also administrating. So I think it's the sort of game that if you wish to, you can uh, actually do it for your, your whole lifespan and if you've got a love for the game. The difficulty nowadays is people don't have time. So what we'd like to do is try and endeavour to make the um, you know the ranks of refereeing a team as well and uh, there is a great support network in regards to referees not only here in New Zealand but also around the world. And you can travel anywhere with a whistle and you'll get a game and you'll also get a bed. So uh, it's a great way to start and stay involved with the game. And I think uh, if anybody wants to have, have a go, uh, there's no game like rugby because uh, it's pretty much a, a network that will look after uh, you. I mean, I guess one of the challenges maybe and why maybe a few people put barriers up and say, I don't want to do this because they just watch rugby at the highest level and see how complex it is. But it's not like that at the junior levels. It's a lot more simplistic, Cody. Yeah, it is. And I think we put in a lot more um, support around the, the referees. When I think, why do, why do you referee? It's quite interesting. You hop on LinkedIn, for example, and you see all this development stuff. I can think of nothing better for an individual's development, even out, outside of their private life, whatever area of their life they're working on, than refereeing. It literally has it all. You, you've got to communicate. You've got to work on leadership. You've got to work on fitness, skill, mental ability. I, I don't think there is a downside to someone's development and referring. Okay, what about, I mean, I've seen it in football particularly, the sideline abuse can be pretty bad. What's it like in rugby? I mean, you'd, you're giving up your time, you're going out there, we've got overzealous parents on the sideline, look, hey, I've been there, put my hand up occasionally, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, so that's a question I get asked a lot around referee abuse, and the fact is, it does happen, but 
it happens so rarely. So in the last three years, I think, in Auckland, I don't know if we've had a serious case of referee abuse. We're aware that it does happen and we and we do have systems in place to deal with it when it does happen as well. And one of the things that we've actually introduced to our referees is a programme called Ref Live. And literally they can hop off their um, game and give it the score out of one to five whether they enjoyed it. Because that's really what we're in the business of, creating positive game day experiences, not just for our referees, players and coaches. And, and if things are going wrong with a team, we can actually, we've got live data to tell us that, hey, we've got an issue here and we need to step in. But since we've introduced that, we, we haven't had to step in. Okay, so people listening to this say, right, I, I want to, yeah, I've, that's inspired me to want to be a referee. What's what's the first step they need to do? We've got about three minutes. There are two ways to do it. You can either basically Google become a refer- rugby referee and that'll take you through the New Zealand rugby and anywhere in the country it will be able to send you to the appropriate link. You can also ring 0800 referee. Uh, and then that'll come through to your major region and they'll be able to sort you out. And if you're in Auckland, just hop on our website, arra.org.nz, and it's sitting there right there for you. Yeah, one of the things that uh, we probably really struggle with in refereeing, like everything else in the world, is uh, coaching. And uh, my particular passion is around coaching. So you're coaching the referees? Correct. So and, and, pro- uh, and providing ongoing coaching? Correct. We basically mentor and coach all the way through, yeah. um, and we don't have enough ability to actually provide that service. Do we have enough referees? Not enough, no. And, and what about women referees? We want to see more women getting involved? 100%. And, and, this and there year are great, is a great pathways for them as well. Now, isn't it? We've just seen the women's you know, six nations. Well, Maggie's a great example of that, but also it's the Rugby yeah. World Cup this year. We yeah. want to build on that. Well, the really nice story for me is my one of my first ever producers on Radio Sport was a guy by the name of Angus Maybe I remember he'd just taken up refereeing. He had a whole lot of coaches. He was big. His first big step was coaching some first 15, then some senior club rugby, Gallagher Shields. I was there when he made his debut at Mitre 10 Cup level for North Harbour and on the weekend. I thought he was brilliant on Saturday night in the Highlanders um, Hurricanes game. His first debut in the middle as a Super Rugby referee, and that boy, that only seems like yesterday. Agreed. I think uh, Angus is an epitome of uh, of a guy coming from a very kind of a young space and coming all the way through the system and having a good support base from uh, his fellow referees. Yeah, and look, even first 15 is a really high level these days, isn't it? Yeah, and touching on Angus, what I love about Angus's story is I was in Angus's first year class and he's built it and he's stayed with Auckland the whole way through and it's great to have a homegrown referee. And it hasn't always been easy for Angus. I mean, I've talking to him, he said, you know, these guys gone, got some sports psych at times and like anything, you know, I'm sure no different than in this game. You, you doubt yourself at times. Great. Yeah. Now, now, just going back to that touch we play on a Wednesday night. Um, I've got to say, Roger, I actually quite enjoy having you as a um, referee, mate. Um, some of them are a little bit pedantic, and you're not. Well, I try not to be, Watto, but uh, sometimes uh, watching your antics out there is uh, very interesting. Yeah, I have to put my hand up and be one of those guys who becomes irrational playing those games. Mark Burtwistle, former Manu Samoa International, he leads it. He, he he fires off, and that gets me going. And then half an hour later, I'm sitting in the car driving home, going. I'm so embarrassed with my behaviour. And I then, a week later, apologise to you guys. That's but always... I'm the exception to the rule, not the rule. Take up refereeing. What's that website again? Uh, just Google, become a rugby referee, and you'll get all the links you need. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.